On fossil downs and cane grass station in a million homes across the nation, they're tuning in Australia on a Sunday morning. Your name is? My name's Heather and I'm the president of the Rotary Club of Rochester. And? My name's Judy and I'm the president of Bendigo Sandhurst Rotary Club. We're in the same cluster as Rochester. Fabulous group. And you went to Curacoil? Yes, our Rotary Club went up to Korokai. We took our community bus and two trailers full of donations to Korokai and to Woodburn. And little did you know that you were going to get smashed a few yeah. weeks later. Yes, we were only home about 12 days and, and we got smashed, yes. Well, isn't it lovely? Isn't it lovely that you did that? That's a... And it's amazing um, taking the stuff up. It was the second trip that uh, Heather and the uh, Rochi team had taken and two days after the floods down here, Korokai rang up said, God, we really feel for you buggers. Can we send all our stuff back to you? Can we donate it all back to you? It's just the spirit of the community that gets places like this back together. Heather's done this quite a few times and the other service clubs in the town also. Just amazing. Your name is? Judy. Judy and Heather. Congratulations. Thank you very much. In the morning, turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Oh, it's cold this morning for Nancy's chooks. They're walking dogs. They're writing books as Trevor stacks his bottles by the roadside. On you, Trev. In Turak, T.I., Tumbarumba, at the Lodge and Yarralumla. They might be listening to Macca on a Sunday morning. My week starts with Macca on a Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome to the program. It's, we we haven't had a person to help us answer the calls here for the last, I don't know, four or five weeks. Just uh, because it happens. So we're going to try and get somebody for next year. Preferably a young person who can help us. And, you know, when I say young person, somebody who's tech savvy. I mean, really tech savvy. You can see that's the way the world's going, unfortunately. When you, I was going to play that song this morning, My Love Is On The Internet Again. He says he'll come to bed soon, but he never tells me that when and then talks about the nets and open sewer and he's peering down the drain. And when you see the, I don't know, we survived without the internet before, didn't we? We survived and even thrived anyway. Um, I had this from Anthony Franchi, who's from our Brisbane um, ABC and uh, it's just about an emergency alert for Eastern Ipswich. Uh, residents are advised not to use tap water as a precaution after reports of a temporary change in taste and odour. Places like Basin Pocket and Bundamba and Flinders View, Silkstone, Eastern Newtown, Eastern Heights, Raceview, etc. But there are places where you can get bottled water or you can fill your containers at Limestone Park, uh, Brothers Car Park and uh, South Station Road, uh, at Raceview, so there you go. But you probably know about that if you live in Ipswich. From Broome, our Broome correspondent says, it's Michael, he says, um, Christmas greetings from a very hot and humid Broome. Nature has given us the colours of Christmas in the form of the red and of the Royal Ponciana Delonix Regia, Regia, the gold of the golden shower, Cassia Fistula, and the deep green of the new leaves of the Boab. Adansonia Gregorii. As the Laya, it's L-A-J-A, but I presume that pronounced Laya, season, 
hot build-up season nears its end. The baobs have flowered prolifically with their large, showy white blooms, giving each tree a highly decorated look. The sweet perfume of these short-lived flowers fills the sultry evening air. How good is this? Some baobab trees around the town have even sprouted oversized baubles as they become Christmas trees. <laughs> Isn't that nice? And Michael's posted some photos of it. Hopefully the monsoon rain will arrive soon. Thanks so much for the program this year, which has again brought Australians from all corners of the nations and planet together through good and tough times. The joy and happiness generated by your recent outside broadcast was self-evident to the listeners. Wishing you and Kel and all listeners a blessed Christmas and a wonderful 2023. Stay safe, says Michael, our broom correspondent. We can't live without our correspondence. We can't live without our correspondence, I tell you. They are so, so, so wonderful. Um, I have some more emails. I was just, excuse me. There are other bits and pieces. And from, speaking of Rochester, from Elaine Lees. You remember Elaine, I just spoke to her. Hope you're both well, uh, Lee and Ian, and, very, and I'm and are very busy, I'm guessing, with the upcoming uh, concert at Richmond School of Arts. I'd love to be there. I sent a few photos I took of Ian at his desk at the OB by text to a mobile number. He contacted me before the OB. Um, <clears throat> the texted cheques have arrived, and I've handed them on to Rochester Lions and CWA, a very kind and appreciated gesture. Gesture. Did I say gesture? <laughs> I'm racing. Rivers in Echuca have dropping significantly, still water lying around, harvest still slow as moisture's too high, normally finished by Christmas, but not this year, says Elan. And Elan sent me a piece out of the Herald Sun and it says, because we were in Rochi last week, well, seems like last week, it was three weeks ago, wasn't it? Months after the floods, Rochester's still picking up the pieces and there's photos and, and I'll just read a little bit from the Herald Sun. Good paper, the Herald Sun. The once, vice, uh, the once vast piles of rubbish, carpets and washing machines littering the town's nature strips have been carted away and the lush green verges give no hint of the hard rubbish collections that were so recently here. However, there is a sense the town is coming close to an emotional breaking point. The community is facing summer without a swimming pool with the once crystalline blue waters of its Olympic-sized oasis now transformed to a swamp-like brown. Many of the picturesque houses look neat and tidy from the outside, but beyond the front doors they are revealed to be little more than gutted shells. Many families have sent their kids to live with relatives outside the area or are staying together in caravans on the lawn. Retirees in their 70s are living in sheds, worried they'll be there for another year before their homes are livable again. And see, the reason why I love to... And the reason why a national program like ours is so important, talks to everyday people ordinary people, everyday people, and gives you the news and continues to give you the news and the stories of actually people like us who are living day to day and what's happening to them. And that's why it's important. This is the Herald Sun is a Victorian paper and people in Victoria get that news, but not so much the rest of Australia. I know whether you live in Cooktown or Serena or wherever you live, you like to hear those sort of things. You want to know what's going on in your country. You don't want to be focused on your little bailiwick all the time. You need to know what's going on in your place, but you also need to know the bigger picture. Anyway, uh, continuing this article, out of the, it's a long article. 
Um, but, um, yeah, you get the picture of what's happening in Rochi, but it's happening all around the place. You know, you go along the, the Lachlan, anywhere along the Lachlan in New South Wales and Forbes and New Abalong and God help me. Anyway, we'll, uh, we're here this morning or we're here next Christmas morning too and I love to have your company. It's great to have your company already this morning. When I hear the program and the people just talk, I think, oh, I better write that down. They tell you little bits and pieces about what's happening in Manham, down where the, the, Murray's, you know, the Murray's flowing and the Darling's flowing and the Lachlan's. There's water everywhere. And, and just what people are doing. I'll tell you, it was an interesting call this morning from uh, Simon, it was. Simon, and he's just back from the States. They've been over there touring around. He gets in the... And they followed the. Uh, they were on the highway, travelling the big highways. And he said, "I've never seen so many trucks." And he said, "We were travelling for five hours on a freeway. I think he said five hours, didn't he? Scott? It might have been three. I'm not sure, but I think he said five. And the speed limit there is 80 miles an hour, which is 130 k's. That's the speed limit. And he said, "We're on that freeway, and there was a truck behind us for that whole number of hours. It mightn't have been five. It might be three, but whatever it was, you get the drift." And you don't get off. But anyway, he stopped at a little place uh, to have something to eat and he talked to a copper. And good morning to our police this morning. Um, our hearts are all with you and the great job the police do. Anyway, he talked to a policeman in America and he said, well, how come there's so many trucks? He said, there's hundreds of thousands of trucks. He said, he said Amazon, Amazon. People are getting things sent and they're crisscrossing America. And, you know, America's bigger than Australia, big place. And 350 million, would there be, in in America? Amazon, he said. Trucks, stuff in trucks going right across America. Their trucks over there are only 18-wheelers. I should play that song, 18-wheeler. But um, that's the story, he said. And, yeah, you you don't stop. You don't stop. It's going to be, you know, carnage if you stop on those freeways. And that's the other thing I've thought about. There's no room to get off. There should be more. I know it's expensive to make roads and infrastructure is the the big expenditure, but on these, you really should not be able to afford not to have many, many places where you can pull off a freeway. You stop on a freeway, inviting trouble. Uh, Thirteen hundred seven hundred triple two is our number. Good day. This is Macca. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's Teresa here from New Avalon. Oh, hi, Teresa. How are uh, you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to give out a shout to all the people that are still isolated by flood flood waters and can't go home for Christmas like the song said before. Oh, right. I'm uh, driving home for Christmas. Yeah, tucked on my heartstrings, I must say. Not that I can drive home for Christmas because I was born in Holland, so it would be a bit of a long drive. But, yeah, I was just thinking of all the people like us that, Still, still isolated after months. You're in Uabalong. I, I we are at Uabalong. Yeah. And sur- yeah. surrounded by water, Teresa. Surrounded by water, a lot less than a couple of weeks ago. Thank goodness, but mm. uh, it's slowly going down. But we're still isolated. Yeah. No driving home for Christmas for you. <laughs> <laughs> and how no. how's that uh, affecting you? I mean, it's like yeah, I suppose. Um, you're long to get out, I suppose. A bit like crossing the border after when COVID, the border restrictions were everybody <laughs> made well, for the it, border. It would be, <laughs> it would be. I mean, we, we're just so lucky. We've been getting our groceries and our medicine um, delivered every Saturday afternoon uh, by helicopter from Condoblin, and you know that sort of keeps you going. But apart from that, it's sort of you know same. 
thing every day. You sort of just can't go anywhere, and it, but you, you get used to it. Yeah. Strangely enough, it'll be a strange feeling once you get in the car and be able to go to the shops and do your own shopping after months and months. But we've we've been very lucky to have we've had all this help, really. Yeah. Well, um, all I can say is <laughs> stick around here and we'll. Play your songs that tug at your heart, things like driving, yeah, well, driving is, home you know. for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, Christmas does it the best of times, especially well, people that know that live, have family overseas, you know, they're the times you long to be with them and you can't sort of thing. It's always, uh, you know, tug and heart string sort of a time of the year. But, uh, yeah, I, I just thought of all the people that really, really want to go home and just, you know, we're stuck with water all around them and can't. So yeah. just a shout out to all of well, them and we're thinking of them. Well, they can't go home because there's no home there to go home to. Well, so the... that's true. We've, we've been very, very lucky, you know, and only for all the hard work that everyone put in, you know, day after day, sandbagging and building up levees, that our little town, you know, wasn't hit more than it was. But, um, yeah, now there's a lot. A lot of people worse off than us, that's for sure. Good on you, Teresa. Nice to talk to you. I hope the water subsides. It's going down. It's going down. It's going the right direction, so we're all very happy. Watch out. You just have to be patient. Watch out for mozzies, yeah. Yes, that's (laughs) for sure. They carry you away if you're not careful. (laughs) Good on you, Teresa. Okay, Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, hi, Maka. My name's Peter, and mm. I'm from Newrex. Okay. I don't know whether you remember Newrex. Oh, remember it? Oh, of course yeah. I do. We had a lovely time in Newrex. It was a fabulous time. Yes, well, I, we unfortunately weren't there because we were up in Queensland with my father, but I had two young kids, and we went on a banana boat, and the guy running the boat asked us where we were from, and we sort of say, oh, you won't know where that is. It's Neil Rex. And he said, oh, I was listening to Macca there this morning. He said, I listen to Macca every day and I know exactly where Neil Rex was and it sounds fabulous. <laughs> that was a lovely, lovely morning. That was a while ago. Um, it was. And we stayed there. We stayed there with some people. What's her name? Um, the, yeah, was the Rivets. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And they had a lovely yeah. place. And there, was, and there was the thing I remember about Neil Rex was all the lovely wildflowers that were out. Um, right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. No, well, we were sorry we were missing you. and But then, you know, it just seemed so funny that this gentleman from a banana boat knew, knew where we were and because he'd been listening to you that morning. So, I yeah, I know you talked about last week, but I just thought oh, I couldn't ring last week. I thought I'll ring you today and wish you a happy birthday, I presume, and also a no, happy that's, Christmas that's, next week. <laughs> yeah, no. That's a furphy raised by that lady last week who was at the nudist caravan park, or she just sold the nudist <laughs> yeah, well, caravan park. <laughs> yeah. And I, no. um, and I said no, 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 because I didn't. And and my a friend of mine, Phil, rang up uh, or sent me an email, and he said, "Do you know how that lady knows when your birthday is?" And I said, and, and I read that he said because you went to that caravan park and she saw you in your birthday suit. Oh, funny. Oh, funny. Yeah. Anyway, so it, I just I just sort of thought that that was, you know, such a funny day when he sang it and yeah. he said he listens to you every every week and so, you know, he knows all the places. So it's mm-hmm. Peter, isn't it? 
Yes, it's, it's a female feeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're um, you you're in Neorex now. Yes, we're still on the farm here. Yes. Oh wow, how's things in Neorex? Did... Oh well, it's starting to dry out. I mean, we our actual farm hasn't had the disasters that so many farms have. We've had a lot of water, and it stopped a lot of things, interrupted a lot of jobs to be done and things. But um, it's starting to dry out now, so we're never happy. <laughs> you know, it it. As I said, we're so much. Well, we have been so much better off than other people. So um, yeah, we can't really complain. But I've got yeah, I've yeah. got some reports of uh, what's happening in harvest. Harvest's been late and and it's been slow. Yeah. So people will be harvesting after Christmas because it's just been yeah one of those years. And yet you yeah. know it it doesn't take long, does it? After the rain sort of stops to be. All of a sudden, you think, "Gee, it's dry." Um, the rain stopped for three weeks, and I'm start to water the garden, you know. And I think you you think you'll never have to water the garden again after the rain. Well, we had we had thought of that with all the rain, but we um like there we did have some green grass, and it's actually turning quite brown. I mean, we're still still better than the drought years, but mm. um yeah. So no, anyway, we'll wish you a happy Christmas, and um. I don't know whether we'll be listening next week. We're actually going, my son's in Queensland, and 12 months ago on Christmas Eve, we got through to go to Queensland. We had all our paperwork mm. because we hadn't seen them, and my, our two grandkids we hadn't seen for a long time. Mm. And so we did have last Christmas up there, and it was just so exciting when we drove through the border from New South Wales to Queensland. <laughs> I took a photo, or my husband took a photo of me sitting in front of that Queenslander sign. And, uh, yeah, no, that that was really good. So, But anyway, we're going there again this year, and hopefully we won't have the same hassle to get through. Just, so. just a simple thing like that. And yet when you think back to earlier times, when you used to cross the border, I think, you know, oh. in the 40s and 50s, there was a tick gate. You had to go through the tick gates and um, there was somebody on the gate when you crossed the border. Yeah. That sort of disappeared and then, you know, we just blithely accept mm-hmm. it and then all of a sudden in 2021 20, and 22, boom, yeah. no, you can't police there, you can't cross the border and Australians were locked up everywhere. It's quite It's been an amazing time, Pete, really, the last uh, three years, hasn't it? Yeah, well, hopefully, I mean, the, the news this morning and the news all this week hasn't been all that good, but, um, yeah, hopefully COVID, some people will, yeah, I don't know, come up with something that will help all the the second strain and third strain, fourth strain. So, mm. but um, yeah, no, it's just nice to be able to have it with your family. Um, our daughter's coming up with us, so yeah, so that'll be nice. Anyway, okay, we'll um, we'll listen to you if I get a chance. But I'll probably be in their swimming pool because they actually have a swimming pool. So <laughs> you're I just boasting that, now. You're just boasting. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, yes, yeah, so my plan is to spend a lot of time in their swimming pool because there's no swimming in Nilrex. So, yes. Anyway, right. okay, thank you. We'll Thanks, Macca. We'll see you in Nilrex sometime. I'd love to come back to Nilrex. Yeah. We had a lovely if you time come there. come back, I'll probably make sure I'm there this time. But, um, yeah. Okay. Good Thanks night. a lot. Good Bye. on you. Bye. Bye. Alex is in Tabilk. Is that right, Alex? Hi, Macca. Yes, I am. And it's cool and it's clear. It's about 10 degrees, very sunny, beginning to look a bit dry. I can completely relate to what you say. Yeah. Compared to four weeks ago. Tell people where Tabilk is, uh, Alex. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, southeast of Ngambi. 
in Victoria. So, yeah, so it was actually built as it's just a little enclave of four streets. It was built on the railway line to Shepparton. There used to be a big storage shed there for Ardmona. Mm-hmm. There used to be a post office there and a railway station there. So there's a little enclave of of blocks that were put in by the railways. There you go. And what do you do there? I used to believe a winemaker up there. I now live in Melbourne just at the moment. But, yeah, I still have a place up there and I was a winemaker there for a long time. Oh, there you go. And you don't make wine anymore? Not there, no. I consult elsewhere. Oh, I see. <laughs> that's that's a very um. What's the word for that? That's yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say. But um, you're sought after, aren't you? Winemakers, uh, very sought after. You're almost as sought after as as grapes grown on the um, eastern side in the um, yeah, in the lovely soil. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it's it's up and down. There are, there are far more courses. I went back in the day and did the Adelaide Uni course. The whole four-year egg science degree, but you can do a kind of online courses and TAFE courses and so on and so forth. So it's a, an expanding industry, but it's it's one where it's, um, yeah, you kind of get your hand in where you can and, and things change and companies take over other companies. And it's a bit of a shifting uh, environment, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to everyone in the Goulburn Valley. They are working so hard to recover from the floods. Yeah, how's the the fruit going? Not good, mm. not good, and that's partly because the wet's just been sitting. There are a lot of problems with mildew. Been unable to get the tractors in to spray anything, because everything gets bogged. So hopefully, over the next little while, some of that will improve. But uh, it's definitely going to be a matter of preserving quality over quantity. The quantities will be way down, and a lot of vineyards close to the Goulburn were flooded and how they will recover it's hard to know because no one's really experienced this in recent history where they're just inundated for two or three weeks. The quantity on everything will be down won't it not just uh, fruit but I think all fruit and vegetables uh, horticulture it'll be down down down. Yeah and the losses the losses to to moulds and mildew will be huge. Yeah so, um, Alex, do you uh, you still make wine, but here and there, and just choose your time, do you? Yeah, and I've got a particular um, winery that I help out periodically. But I did used to work at a winery there, and I know both of the two major ones on the the river there. And so I went to visit to see how they were faring. And um, Mitchelton's cellars were still two meters underwater. Wow, Jeez. they've lost all of their museum stock. The labels just floated away. Oh. The bottles floated away. The barrels floated away. The um, part of the tower collapsed. So I don't know if you know the Mitchelton Tower, the, built in the 70s, bit of a sort of Victorian icon back mm. in the day mm. when going to a winery was a bit of a, a trip. And they turned the restaurant down there at the base of the tower, which is subterranean into an Aboriginal art gallery and they've lost one and a half million dollars worth of Aboriginal art. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Isn't it? No. They're all the little stories you sort of don't hear. Um, no. And, you know, on a national program like ours, I think it's instructive when people like you, Alex, ring up and, and just let people know what's going on because, you know, there's so much news in the paper and it's you don't get that news. Do you know it's, what o- I mean? it's, it's overwhelming, really. But, you know, the horrible 
horrible stories, you know, that the lake, of course, is still unable to go into the lake. Mm. And the Gamby's famous for its lake. It has the world-recognised rowing course, mm. a fantastic spit of land with a camping ground out into the river on one side, lake on the other, all inundated, unable to get in there still. Lake still not safe because of the dand of debris and yeah. effluent and so on. So unable to use the lake, unable to use the camping ground. But I just want to shout out to those people. They've put the loveliest display on the side of the lake on these little Christmas trees, probably about two, probably two feet high. I'm talking the old language, about two feet high. And they've just got little trees and they've decorated them with tinsels and they've put bow on the trees and everyone's gradually coming back to the lake because a lot of people go up there on holiday and they treasure the lake. And I just want to encourage everyone, look, it's, you know, won't be the same as when you went last year and you could have all your water sports and such, but get up there because they're working hard and their recovery and the wineries are both up and running and you you really need to just, you know, it's, mm. it's an hour and a half from Melbourne and the Ngambi people have really put in the effort. Some terrible stories. A friend of mine who's in the CFA and he was in the water in the lake trying to rescue animals. Mm. Horrible stories about um, racehorses because, of course, that area has a lot of race studs. Yep. Racehorses trapped in fences, just being washed into fences and they're poor people trying to free them and can imagine the damage that does oh, to a horse. God. Yeah. Yeah. Just And um, some horses just disappeared, just washed away, presumably never found. Just uh, just awful. It's going to take a long time to recover. It certainly is. It certainly is. But um, everybody, as you, as you uh, innovated, you need to, everybody needs to put in, go to places, spend some money, and help to raise money, all those sort of things are really important. Yeah, because, um, ask a few questions, let them tell their story. Yeah. Go and have a look, see the refuse sat on the side of the river. It's still very high, but it's a lot lower. There were bridges damaged. There are great big chunks of debris and trees and all sorts lying along the river. And it's a what, good opportunity for a day trip to go up and remind yourself. What's the river? Goulburn. The Goulburn, yeah, right, yep. And, uh, yeah, get out and talk to people. I hope the um, the fruit season, I suppose there won't be as many jobs for pickers because you can't get on, I suppose, in lots of ways. Well, yeah, and there's just not the fruit. Yeah. And, of course, it's the availability thing as well. But it, it's fortunate, in a sense, it's fortunate that it's been so cool, Ian, mm. because the grape harvest will be that little bit later. Yeah, yeah. So you're buying yourself a bit more summer. Does that make sense? Yeah, and people... So be... you get a little bit of time to dry out and a bit of time for the fruit and the plants to recover, and they'll probably more... Pickers tend to go and do, you know, citrus fruits, other stone fruits and so on, and then around about March they'll be needed for grapes. So we're hoping as a cycle and it all works out and they come on down. Alex, I'll hope to meet you sometime. Nice to talk to you. You too, Mecca. Have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Simon's in Murrumbateman. Good morning, Simon. G'day, Macca. Simon Southwell, how are you? We have met a couple of times. Greetings from the beautiful Marron Bateman. Ten degrees here. There you go. Early start with a fox licking his lips outside the chook yard this morning. Um, but uh, all good here. <laughs> what's, what's the news, Simon? 
Look, I, uh, you've been travelling for three weeks. My wife and I just got back from the States on Friday. We did another road trip over there. We travel there when we can, barring COVID. But I just wanted to let you know, we travelled uh, Highway Highway 10 out of LA this time across America. We drove about 5,000 kilometres, 3,000 miles. But the interesting thing is, uh, in my many trips to the States, I've never seen so much transport on the road in all my life. I mean, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of trucks. Admittedly, they don't carry much on them over there, but hundreds of thousands of trucks. And on Highway 10 on across southern Texas there two weeks ago, the speed limit is now 80 mile an hour, 130 kilometres an hour. We had a lady behind us in a brand new Freightliner semi-trailer. We were on cruise control for nearly five hours and she was dead on our tail <laughs> at 80 mile an hour in a semi-trailer. Wow. We Pulled up at a town called Van Horn and had a bit of dinner there one night and there was a guy caught our accent, which they do over there, as you know. He came over and he was a policeman. And I said to him, I said, I've never seen so many semi-trailers on the roads in all my life in America and no cars. And I said, what's the story? And he said, it's Amazon. And I said, he said, everybody's ordering thing online. And he said, and they're just carting the stuff from one side of the country to the other. He said, it is just unbelievable and i said no i haven't seen a police car i said in 2000 mile and he said no they wouldn't be game to pull anybody up because he said you'd cause the biggest wreck you've ever seen he said there's nowhere to stop them but wow. um so it's just you know 80 mile an hour the trucks are meant to be doing uh, you know 60 mile an hour but they're all doing 80 mile an hour 75 80 mile an hour and if you're not with them you've you, you, you've got to get off you're in the road yes exactly exactly That's... but uh Wonderful trip, ended up in Fort Worth at the um, National Cutting Horse Association World Championship for charity last week, uh-huh. which a lady won, which was um, fantastic. That goes for three weeks, that horse show. I'd say it's probably the biggest horse show in the world. Um, but it's great to be home, and um, I'd like to wish you and your listeners all a very happy Christmas, Macca. Listen, Simon, what's um what's that abode at, at Murrum Bateman? We I went past it the other day and it's That's a motel down there that they've built. I'm about a mile up the road on the Murrum Bateman Road, which got washed out in the floods about three months ago and it's still not open, so I don't know how the travellers from the west and Wagga and that are gonna to head to the coast this year. It's a motel um, a motel, is it? Yep. There you go. Yeah, that there's a motel there called the Abode. Uh-huh. Um You've been here many a times. I've met you at the National Sheepdog Trials at Hall there a couple of years ago. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's, but, a great, uh, that's a great time too. I love that, yeah. Yeah. But look, can I give one tip to your travellers over Christmas for a bloke that's done nearly 3 million kilometres without a ticket, if I can give a tip to your travellers. Yeah. Concentrate on the journey and not the destination. Yeah, very important. It's very hard. And sometimes you forget about that, don't you? And then... And then, yeah, you'll end up not getting there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they just think about the destination and not the journey. You know, pull up, the thermos should be brought back in. Every new car should be sold with a thermos in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good on you, Simon. Merry Christmas, mate. Same to you and uh, your listeners. See ya. This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News. The 
Yep, cyclone season, bushfire season, drought season, flood season, name your poison, spin the wheel. And although dramatic weather events can happen at any time, it's most often the Australian summer when we hope for the best but expect the worst when it comes to the weather. Bushfires, of course, are a regular feature of summertime in Oz. Henry Lawson's The Fire at Ross's Farm was set during a droughty Christmas time. One Christmas time when months of drought had parched the western creeks. The bushfires started in the north and travelled south for weeks. Worth reading or rereading The Fire at Ross's Farm. But back to the weather. And the catastrophic Brisbane flood of January 74 was formed on the back of rains from Cyclone Wanda. There are isolated instances of tornadoes in the Australian summer, but it's northern Australia where names like Althea, Yazi, Larry, Vance and Monica loom large. Onslow in Western Australia was unkindly nicknamed Cyclone City because of the regularity of cyclones. But it was Cyclone Tracy that devastated Darwin from the 24th to the 26th of December 1974. Christmas time, just about now. Our weather correspondent Richard Whittaker takes us back to that time, that Australian summer. He writes, The tropical cyclone season of 1974-75 got off to a fairly uneventful start across the top end of the Northern Territory. Early in December 74, Cyclone Selma had approached Darwin, but had suddenly veered away when it was about 50 k's out and passed across Bathurst Island to the north. Many locals believed that this was because cyclones never hit Darwin. The lessons of the past were all but forgotten because the previous cyclone in 1937 was so long ago. Although Selma did produce a period of strong winds across the city, little or no damage was reported. The incident produced a feeling of general complacency and when the first warning for Tracy was issued at 4pm on the 21st of December, the community reacted with mild disinterest. Tracy originated as a weak tropical disturbance about 700 k's to the northeast of Darwin on the 20th of December 1974. Slowly building, it moved irregularly southwest, monitored by the Bureau of Meteorology using the satellite photography of the day. Although the technology was nowhere near the same quality and frequency as today, the cyclone was accurately tracked. Following its official naming as Tracy on the 21st of December, Regular updates were issued over the next three days as the system moved from northeast to southwest towards the north of the top end. Early on the 24th of December, the situation began to deteriorate rapidly. Tracy changed direction, moved around the southwestern corner of Bathurst Island and abruptly headed straight for Darwin. By this time, radar tracking was also possible and the automatic weather station located at Cape Forcroy on Bathurst Island began to register strong winds. At 12.30pm on the 24th of December, the Bureau of Meteorology issued flash warning number 16, which noted the change in direction of the cyclone and forecast very destructive winds in the Darwin area tonight and tomorrow. Further periodic warnings were issued until 2.30am on Christmas Day, when the Bureau noted that tropical cyclone Tracy was 18 kilometres from Darwin and that the eye was expected to move over Darwin soon. Community reaction to all these warnings was far from ideal. Offers Christmas parties were in full swing and the general atmosphere of goodwill easily overrode the unwanted negativity of the cyclone warnings. Alan Stretton in his book The Furious Days recalled that on Christmas Eve the pubs were full of cheerful people discussing the cyclone forecasts. They were laughing and joking and even singing how cyclones never hit Darwin. 
However, soon after the Bureau's last warning, Tracy began to move slowly across the city, producing sustained winds of over 200 kilometres per hour. Because the cyclone moved slowly, the city was subjected to these ferocious blasts for several hours. Power failed completely at around 3.30am and the city was plunged into darkness, adding to the general fear and confusion. Residents huddled in terror as their houses were ripped apart around them and families found themselves in total darkness amid a shrieking tempest and pelting rain. Conditions at last began to moderate just before dawn on Christmas Day and Darwin residents were able to see the extent of the damage for the first time. A Darwin ham radio operator described the scene. It looks as though an atom bomb has hit. There's not a tree with a branch left on it. There is no food, no power and no water. The main streets in the central business district resembled battle zones. Mountains of debris littered the area. The destruction was enormous. Most buildings in the city were either levelled or badly damaged. 65 people were dead, either killed in the city or drowned at sea. The devastation was so bad that it was even suggested that the Australian government cut its losses and not bother rebuilding the city. The main question everyone was asking was, how strong were the winds that produced such devastation? And here an interesting story emerged. The Bureau of Meteorology maintained a wind recording device called an anemograph at Darwin Airport, which showed a peak gust of 117 knots, that's 217 kilometres per hour, at about 3am on Christmas Day. However, this instrument was damaged by the ferocious winds and became inoperative soon after. Theoretical calculations based on the central pressure of the cyclone suggested that gusts could have been stronger with a possible peak of 240 kilometres per hour, making it a Cat 4 cyclone. Richard Whittaker reporting. About a time many of us will never forget.
Graham Connors. Uh, this is the All Open News. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, good morning, Macca. It's Peter Farrell here from originally from Australind, WA, and it's a pleasure to talk to you in real time because previously it's always when I listen, it's two to three hours behind because I'm over in the WA. Yeah, there you go. How are you, Wayne? Yes, not too bad. It's Peter. Peter, um, sorry. Sorry, Wayne was the other chappy. Um, so I thought I'd just ring up because I virtually we've come over in a caravan from WA to see our daughter who's moved to Hamilton in Victoria. Uh huh. So it's a bit of a change. So I'll just tell you that we come across the Nullarbor and fantastic weather. Uh, went down via the um, Coffin Bay to have a look at that. Ended up getting here 4,200 kilometres later. And what are your daughters doing? 600 litres of fuel. Well, I'll just say to Kel, I've got two granddaughters. I'll see them when I get back, but they're working on the wheat bins in uh, Brookton, WA, because their parents are in that area as being school teachers. Mm. And they're working on the bins <laughs> 12 hour days, six to seven days a week, because there's just so much grain coming in. Yeah, it's a big harvest in WA, isn't it? But I bet they're loving it. I'd love to be doing that. I really would. Well, one of them, the oldest one, Grace, went to university, didn't like it, come back. She's full-time with CBH, and the younger one, a couple of years younger, she's there uh, just for this period because uh, she wants to go to university. And I won't tell you how much money they're earning, but it's eye-watering, so they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're both doing well. But in general, you know, I don't know whether a lot of listeners and Australians realise just how much the, the grain industry is, you know, suitable for or required for Western Australia and South Australia, even parts of Victoria. Yeah. Um, it's just tremendous what's going on. Coming well, over, we got stuck behind this vehicle towing a bin, and this bin I've never seen before. They had to pull over the lever to go by. He was heading to Esperance. It can hold 300 tonnes of grain. And it's on wheels, so obviously they wheel it round and leave it somewhere. They'd never be able to pull it. But you do the calculations of what it's worth. Now that would hold up to two to three million dollars worth of either grain of you know wheat or canola. Unbelievable! It's just unreal. It is. And then we got to South Australia, and they're all flat out loading everything round Sejuna. Yeah. And then yesterday I went to Monato with my youngest daughter here, and looked at your so-called stick shed in Victoria. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. that was absolutely fantastic how something like that was built during the war. It's just amazing what Australians can do when we have to. Exactly. Great to talk to you, Pete, and thanks for updating us on all those sort of things. It just, well, uh, all the best to all you, yourselves, and all your listeners. Thanks, America. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Bye-bye. Bye. Judy's in Melbourne. Morning, Judy. Good morning, Macca. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm here because I'm travelling with the Central Australian Aboriginal Women's Choir and um, they've done uh, an East Coast tour. And I heard about that, to... yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Just fantastic reception from everywhere. Um, when we did, we did Brisbane, a QPAC, we've done Sydney Opera House where the women also did um, a workshop with some of, some of their art. And then the last night was the Arts Centre in Melbourne. And on Monday night, we've got the Brunswick Ballroom, which is um, totally booked out. So um, listeners can't get tickets for that. But right. um, Yeah. 
we've um it's just been such a wonderful trip having sharing it with the women they're just so such a fun emotional and lovable experience to be on tour with them Judy where yeah. are the women from from Hermansburg at the Alice where yeah, they're from six um, different communities in um, the central desert. So Arionga, which is Uju, Titikala, Hermansburg mm. or Injaria, and Uluru, which is Mudajulu, Alice Springs and Docker River. Wow. So all around, yeah, very remote communities. And how many how many how many girls all up? And there's about twenty five on tour. We've got um a few men in there who um, are two, three men who are relations and um, two other women in the choir. So um, to add a bit of L-Tom bass. So, yes, good. Yeah, and their <laughs> friends, yeah. You need all that, yeah. So um, oh, that's been a great experience, I bet, for you. Judy, where are you? Where do you hail from? I, I hail from Melbourne. I'm mm. down on the Mornington Peninsula at the moment. And, um, that, yeah, that's where we live. And when we finish on Monday, Tuesday, um, the women are going to be billeted out to people in Melbourne, mm-hmm. which which will be fabulous, and spending Christmas time in Melbourne with their billets. Oh, wow. Um, they've just loved being in the city and seeing Melbourne, you know, city sites and... Um, the Christmas lights have been spectacular this year in Melbourne. And especially uh, especially when you come from the Western Desert and stuff and Central Desert. Yeah. There's so many yeah. things to see in Melbourne, isn't there? So many things. Yeah, it's all, yeah, yeah. all new every, every, uh, around every corner sort of thing is what's he yeah. saying in that song. Around every corner there's something new, something different. Yeah. And one of the, um, one of the things I love doing is op shop. Shopping, so um, yeah, that's high on the agenda as well. So um, we'll be doing a bit of that. Well, um, good on you. The next couple of days. So um, just if, thought I would. Have yeah, you, you done this before? This has happened before, hasn't it? Yeah, I rang you last time. Oh, before, just before COVID, we went to America on tour. That's right. And we rang yeah. you from Washington. Oh, um, that's right. And I've rang you also a few times regarding the Desert Song Festival. That's right. Which, yep. Yeah, which is on again next year from the 8th to 17th of September. And it's our 10-year anniversary next year. So, um, you know, encouraging people to come up and have their own desert experience. And, yeah. <laughs> and see yeah. the women. And yeah. Every Australian's got to do that. They've got to get to the central desert, you know, and well, find get, out yeah. the real... And get yeah, get a, there's, something, there's something spiritual about the desert, isn't there? Oh, the is there ever... And, yeah. Uh, and even when there's nothing happening, if you just stand there on your own, you can hear the wind through the casharinas or oh, something like that. Um, that's right. And it's just, to- you know, if you can get out there and get in total silence, um, just renews your spirit. Um, I'd just like to say a couple of things that when we were touring, just quickly, um, the, the women were sitting in the street in Brisbane and this lady just walked past and then she went over to a shop and bought flowers for them. Just and came back and said, "I want to give you these flowers." And then the manager of the hotel where the women were singing for him, he just burst into tears. This is this grown man crying, and this is the effect the 
music has on these people, on people. Their music is just so spiritual, like you said. You get out in the desert and um, these hymns from, you know, ancient, ancient hymns sang, sung in their language is... Um, I still cry when I hear it, and I've heard it so many times. So, and when um, when somebody buys flowers or does something, little acts of kindness, um, Judy, little yeah. acts of kindness are yeah. the are yeah. the great things in life. You know, they're the only things in life, really, when it comes to when it all boils down. That's what I think. Yeah, I I agree with you, Macca. It is. That's what you know. We're all in this together, just being and learning from each other, and yeah, showing people how much we appreciate them and, and love them and and this is uh, what these women do and they um, as well as everybody else in the world. We, yeah, we do need more of that. Exactly. Jude, good luck. At, where did you say you were? Brunswick, is it? Brunswick Forum, which is oh, totally booked out, though. Totally booked out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, good on <laughs> Yeah, we've we you know, they've done so well. Um Q-Pack was booked out, Sydney Opera House just about. Um and last night also at Hamer Hall. Well, they'll have so, a great they'll have a great Christmas in Melbourne. I think that'd be a fantastic thing from for people who are used to re- hot heat, red dust and you yeah. know, more of the same and all of a sudden they'll be in Melbourne. Who knows? Four seasons in one day, all that sort of stuff. They'll be yeah, shivering and boiling and wet and dry. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite funny because they've all done that. That's why they're going to the op shops to get jumpers and <laughs> after running around in songs and, you know, like Yeah, well, it's, and... it's good. It's good for us all to get, you know, change our change our place for a little while. And, um, a little, it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. But uh, thanks yeah. for your call, Jude, and, and uh, nice to talk okay. to you. See good you. on your Macca. Thank S- you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Justin's in Birmingham, is it? True, Justin. Good morning. Oh, good day, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Oh, absolutely brilliant. I love the bird song in the background. Is that like a Willy Wagtail? I can't remember. I've it's, been. It's I all... just got back, but um. You just got back from where, Justin? You're in Birmingham, uh, right? Yeah, so I'm in Birmingham now. I've been here for like 20 years. Got here about 20. Uh, sorry, two, uh, what is it? 2003. I got here and. Um, I just just got back from visiting my mum and dad. Dad's down in Woolgooga, which is just uh, south of Coffs. Yeah. And mum's up in Helensvale. She's not too well, so I went over and um, so sort of say 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 good day to mum and catch up with dad and stuff like that. So took my wife, who's from Birmingham, Mm -hmm. and uh, we we did the did the the east coast thing down to down to Coffs and then back up to Helensvale and. Stayed down in Cabarita. Um, just had a really good time, and um, I was uh, I was literally in Cabarita. Just and I chucked on ABC Radio Gold Coast, and just been streaming that, and uh, just kept it going as I've come back to come back to England, mm. and um, it's just really just resonated just the power of radio and uh, how strong the Australian community is. It's just really, really, really got to me. And uh, Macca, first time I've spoken to you, it's the first time I've listened to your show. And I just thought it'd be really important to give you guys a call and just let you know that, you know, the the work you're doing is absolutely amazing. And uh, I just really wanted to talk to you. 
Thank you. Now, I was going to be rude, Justin, and say, did you used to be an Australian? Because you sound English now. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. This is a really weird thing. Um, when, I'm, when I'm here in, in England, they all, they all say I sound Australian. And then when I'm back, when I was back like last week, they all said, they all said I sound like a pom. <laughs> So I'm, I'm kind of like in no man's land. Well, the best, or, or the best of both worlds, you can fit in anywhere, maybe, Justin. Maybe you can look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's wicked, Macca. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, Justin, what do you do? Um, I'm a horticulturalist. All right. Yep, good. And so do, do landscaping and stuff. But you're you're pretty cold over there at the moment, aren't you? Haven't you had the winter chills on you? Um, it's minus four right now, and I'm uh, I'm outside. I'm outside because the the missus is inside watching the end of Strictly Come Dancing, England style. Um, and I'm outside having a durry, listening to you <laughs> drinking the Thatchers. The Thatchers. There are other ciders available, but I'm drinking the Thatchers Gold. Right. And uh, just yeah, it's minus four at the moment. I've only got two layers on. Oh dear. And um, yeah, we've got ice. Um, we've got. Uh, it's going to be quite funny because it's going from minus, well, it's minus five right now, um, at 10 to 10, because it's like literally 10 o'clock at night on Saturday night. And then to, on Monday, we've got seven degrees. And on Tuesday, it's up to 14 degrees. So pretty mm. much, you know, matching, matching what um, Sydney's got to offer, I guess, or yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, we, we mostly keep our ice in the fridge here in Australia. Um, <laughs> well, I just I, I just leave my ciders outside. It's it's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> uh, Justin. So, um, yeah, it, uh, you're busy uh, in, at Christmas time, or what do you do? Have a holiday, or no, no. So I've got um I've got a team at work um pretty much every, all, all around the year, and I'm just lucky enough to be able to sneak off to Australia um, and just catch up with everyone. Take about a month off a year. Uh, come back and uh, see what's going on and head back to England like I am right now. And then yeah. I was at work today, um, work at a place called a, one of the one of the pubs I work at. I look after the grounds and stuff and I put up all the Christmas lights, um, make sure they've got all the Christmas trees sorted um, and uh, just make sure the place is looking, you know, really, really jolly and festival and got the Christmas wreaths going over the top of the doors like some of the pubs I work at. Um, blow you away. It's like uh, one of the pubs is called the White Swan, mm. and uh, it used to be an old um, a place that like a highway that used to run through Birmingham. Yeah, and uh, it's six hundred years old. Wow. So uh, some of the some of the places I work at are just you know the the, the fireplace is just absolute rage and massive places, but it's just the the age over here is just it's just phenomenal. And you like you obviously like living in in the UK. It's good in Birmingham. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, the people have got a, a, a strange strange resonance to to the Australian people because it's such. Um, it, it might sound like a big place, but there's like small small knit communities. Yeah. So I live in a place called Harborn, which is quite close to the edge, Baston Creek ground, and. Um, we all we all look after each other. There's a place I go to called the Bell, and uh, the reason the Bell was built was because it was uh, it was basically a place that they built for the workers to build a church, um, which is 400 years old, 
and uh, we we go there now and uh, drink our pints and drink our, you know eat our pork scratchings, um, <laughs> and uh, you know just just looking out, seeing the seeing the lights lighting up this Beautiful. church next door, and realizing that people actually slept where you're drinking right now. It's just it's just absolutely unbelievable. Justin, uh, it's nice to know you're streaming the ABC there in uh, in Birmingham, uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, good on you, and great to talk to you, mate. And um, yeah, we'll see you sometime when you're in Australia again. Okay, good on you. Absolutely, absolutely, Macca. Absolutely, keep up the good work, mate. Love your work. Thank you. Bye. G'day, Macca. Adam here. How are you? Good, thanks, Adam. Oh, that's good. Um, mate, I'm calling from uh, Fly Creek, uh, about 45 minutes south of Darwin. Um, I just got home from uh, work. I work night shifts in an office, but on week on week off, and um, on my week off, I'm a blacksmith. And I just wanted to shout out to uh, all the artisans out there that might be listening. I know they're probably up and doing their morning thing. Um, you know, the the, the glass blowers and and the the uh, bespoke carpenters, and particularly the other blacksmiths around Australia. I want to say Merry Christmas and uh, and Happy Holidays, and you know, don't work too hard in the coming week. You know, the, the orders will get out there, but uh, you know, don't go burn yourself out. Uh, yeah, Adam, I Help. went I went out to the knife show at uh, in Sydney at Rose Hill about um I don't know I can't remember it was earlier this year wasn't it Kel I can't remember but uh, as part of that people who make there was quite a few blacksmiths out there with their forges and the whole deal doing their doing their thing. Yep, yep. A lot of people always say to me, you know, it's a dying trade, but it's it's kind of experiencing a renaissance at the moment. I know, I know at least personally, at least fifteen um, blacksmiths and knife makers around Australia, and they're great and awesome artisans and wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and you know, we, we're we're all about sharing the art, and and um, and I encourage I encourage your listeners, you know, if you if you want something to to you know a unique gift for Christmas, whatever, um, you know. Hit up, hit up your blacksmith. It, it, you know, look for your local blacksmith. You know, these are things that that become heirlooms. You know, particularly, you know, those of you places and stuff like that get the, you know, a, a grill or a, or andirons or you know, your your, your fireplace tools, mm. even barbecue tools and stuff like that. You know, these are things that can be passed down for generations. You know, there's, I'm sure you you um, have that, you know, remember stuff that your parents and grandparents had that was made by by, by a blacksmith in their day. And it's still that, that that art form is still continuing to this day. Adam, tell me this: um, when I was at school, I used to read the poem, or we used to try and recite it. The Smith uh, under the spreading the chestnut smithy. tree, the village smithy stands. The Smith, a mighty man, is he with large and sinewy hands? Is that you? I'm. I wouldn't say I'm a large man. Um, I have. I have. Uh, I do know Smiths that are. I'm. I'm pretty average height. I'm five eleven. And um and you know a hundred odd kilo, but um I do have a, a very good mate of mine that's a professional smith, a knife smith, and and hammer maker. That's um that's six foot four, and um you know he's he's a he's a man mountain. He when he swings a hammer, the earth moves. So um, <laughs> Sam, if you're listening, I love you, brother. <laughs> but um but yeah, no um there are there are ones that are like that around there, and and one of the things I love about blacksmithing is not just you know it's a it's a very solitary art in one way, and you know you stand in front of a thousand degree forge and and beat out metal you know all day, but on the same note, particularly with the uh, advent of you know social media and stuff like that it's very it's a very small and tight knit community all over the world you know i've just yesterday I was on a um a live stream on on the youtubes um with a smith 
from the US that does an annual um, giveaway of, of blacksmithing equipment for the community and you know sends stuff all over the world and that's you know there was hundreds and hundreds of uh, of people on that live stream all chatting away and and um, get, sending the vibes and good vibes of a Merry Christmas all over the world. Is there a a call for blacksmiths in Darwin? I wouldn't. I mean, it's a very warm warm place. <laughs> yes. There, there is, you know. I, I, I do it. I'm, I'm, I do it as a business, um, but it's kind of a hobby business. Um, I make every. I've, I've had quite a few commissions up here. Everything from, um, I made a ball and chain for a 20th wedding anniversary um, as one of my first commissions, and that was all, all hand forged. Um, I've made uh, cosplay armor, so you know people who like to dress up and and pretend they're other things. You know, I, um, I'm also involved in a in a medieval um, reenactment and uh, sword fighting um, group up here, where I do their regular blacksmithing as well, and you know, occasionally fix the fix the occasional training sword and and whatnot. So surprisingly, there is, um, and of course, you know, you have uh, you have events around Australia like um, I I. I I uh, know of the uh, the Abbey Medieval Festival that happens down south every year or every couple of years, you know. So there, there's a, there's a great uh, there's not there's not massive call for a, for a black thing down, but like particularly for bespoke gifts, there's a little bit of. Yeah, there you go, Adam. Good, good on you, mate. It's great, to, great to talk to you. And uh, when we get to Darwin, we hopefully coming next year. We'll uh, you bring your forge along to our outside broadcast. How about that? I will, and hopefully I'll be able to bring my dad with me as well because. Um, because uh, I've been listening to you since I was a teenager on and off, and I know that old man's been, you know, listening to you for at least, you know, Ten two years. or three decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my grandfather, I think, I'm pretty sure, listened to you Come as well, on. mate. So. Yeah, next will be your great-grand-grand... Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> mate, I'm only fairly young. I'm only 36. Give me a break. <laughs> oh, and, and weather report for Darwin, Adam? Well, uh, it's it's actually a, a relatively cool morning. It's um, nice blue skies with a with a light light bit of cloud. Um, it was 25 ish degrees. It's starting to warm up, so it might be twenty six, twenty seven at the moment. Are you getting um, any rain? Uh, we haven't for a, for about a week. Well, we've had we've had a little bit of spat spotty rain here and there over the last week or so, but it's been we've been actually having a heat wave up here. Uh, it's been getting up with the four degrees in some parts in the top end of the Northern Territory. So. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been fairly warm, but uh, starting to cool off, and hopefully that monsoon trough uh, off the north coast starts moving over, and we get a little bit more rain in the coming weeks. Hopefully, though, no 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 um no other big no big winds. You know, we'd no. rather avoid the cyclones, but you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, all right, Adam. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. No. you too, Mac. Cheers. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.